Hi everyone, welcome back to Prevention Nation, where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. I'm your host, Roy Lutz. Welcome back to Prevention Nation. It's Roy here with Caitlin. Um, we're, uh, it's May, so it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're talking about um, our mental health. We're talking about, I mean, up, I think up to this point, we've talked about, uh, we've done a mental health check-in. And we've also explored a little bit about mental health in the brain. Um, Caitlin's quite an expert on the brain. Um, who knew? Mm-hmm. And uh, she's going to bring some more of her expertise today to this conversation around uh, ways to help mental health. Is that it? Or mindfulness? Or... Mindfulness. Oh, okay. I yeah. think ways to help mental health was our next one that we're yeah. planning on doing. Okay. So mindfulness. What's uh, what's mindfulness? So um, mindfulness is a state that you are able to achieve by focusing on the present moment. Um, so being able to acknowledge and accept your feelings, your thoughts, bodily sensations, so like whatever's going on in your body, it's actually used as a therapeutic technique. Um, when I was doing interventions in Warren County, you always start at mindfulness. Um, so a lot of times we would have kids think about their senses. and um, Is this like grounding? Is that yes. what it's, is that grounding? Is that what that's called? Yeah. So okay. the grounding techniques are a version of mindfulness. Okay. Um, but we would also have kids doing like the grounding. So like the idea of like a body scan, like thinking mm-hmm. about like what's going on inside their bodies. Um, but it could even be as simple as like a positive affirmation in the day, in the morning. Right. Okay. So you start your morning by saying today's going to be a great day. I know I'm all about positive affirmations. I'm always yeah. saying like speak positivity into it. Um, we kind of balance each other out in that way. Maybe sometimes you're talking a little negative for me, Roy, but I was I'm up there maybe too positive sometimes. Yeah. But I, I just really believe in those positive affirmations. Um, I use those with my dancers too. Okay. Um, before they go on stage, they'll be like, what if I fall out of this trick? And I say, you're not going to fall out of the trick. You're going to do it and it's going to be amazing. And I say, now say it five times. And they kind of giggle while they say it, but then they'll come on stage like, that really works. And I'm like, it does. Because if you're setting yourself up for failure by saying oh i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this oh it's really hard you're putting that into your brain you're gonna try and prove that to yourself like oh i was right i messed up right so that idea of it can just be as simple as positive affirmations in the morning see i'm so glad that you say that because you know and i was trying to think to myself and there used to be a saturday night live skit and i don't know if you know Stuart smalley i do not Oh, when we are done with this podcast, I so have to show you. But it was a Saturday Night Live skit, um, uh, and it was about this character, Stuart Smalley, and he had a saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And But it was um, it was a skit that literally was, it always had him like sitting in front of a mirror, and she could, the camera could, you'd see like the back of his head, and then yeah. the face, his face in it, the mirror. Yeah. And it always made fun of, it was like this, ultimate joke like what a what a weak minded what a um vulnerable insecure person would need to do a daily affirmation i like myself i'm good enough you know and it's like um but you're what you're saying is i mean i know you you're not a weak-minded um uh, insecure person at all so like what do you mean you do daily affirmations what do you mean Uh, it's not it's cool to do it's for sure cool do i also think i know i'm the tiktok person i'm always talking about tiktok um i think affirmations have always been a thing whether we're calling them affirmations or not Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite things on tiktok though is when you watch moms do their daughter's hair and they tell them good things about themselves you're beautiful 
um, you have beautiful hair, um, you are a wonderful person, you're kind, you're nice, um, like saying those things. And that actually tracks back to um, like African American populations. And I'm sure like even farther back to that, but while they were like braiding, um, like their daughter's hair would like tell them um, nice things. And it's like the idea that just that passes down from generation to generation, these positive affirmations, whether we're calling them affirmations or not, Mm -hmm. but like setting your kids up for something nice, giving them positive affirmations. Every kid likes to hear something nice about themselves. Um, so whether we're calling them affirmations or not, we've always been doing them. Right. Yeah. Cause I know, I know a lot of us. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there was a, maybe there was a connotation in my generation of the word affirmation versus, you know, I think nowadays and then, you know, a lot of people call it validation, you know, right. I mean, there's, I mean, those kind of synonymous terms, like you're validating somebody's thoughts and feelings supportive of them is it similar i mean is that similar to affirmations yeah it can be similar but sometimes affirmations is also stuff that hasn't happened so it can't really be validated yet okay um so i'm gonna have a great day and then at the end of the day you can say today was a great day and you can go through the positive things that happened and it it is easy to focus on the negative in life and people do that it's very easy but that's like following up those affirmations, um, thinking about po- like the positives that follow throughout the day. You know, maybe this negative thing happened, but all of these good things happened, so it was a good day, and that would validate your affirmation. Okay. So they are kind of linked, um, but not just affirmations. We also have um, like the five, four, three, two, one technique. Have you heard about this? Yeah. So uh, something about and you're allowed to tell me, but like five things I see, blah blah. You know. So exactly. What is that? What does that um, look like? So you're connecting your senses to your body. Okay. Um, and we do this, especially when kids are having like anxiety attacks okay. um, because it goes back to the brainstem. So mm. um, your brainstem is taking in all your senses. It's reading through the information and deciding if it needs to react. Right. right. So that's where um, if you were to touch a hot stove, your brainstem is one that tells you to move your hand away. It doesn't yeah. go up to your cortex for deeper reasoning because you need to be able to think quickly. Oh. My, yeah. my, it's hot. I need to not burn myself. Okay. Um, so the same thing for um, using your senses. Your senses all go back to your brainstem. And if you use that, it can relate to mindfulness and it helps you calm down your body. Right? Um, so I hear, I used to hear this all the time. I just don't understand why when my kid gets upset, they lash out or they start to throw things. It's like they're not even thinking because they're, they're not. not. They're okay. acting from their brainstem. Um, so your brainstem is fully developed by the time that you're one. Um, so anything that happens to even the mom during utero or mm-hmm. um, to a kid in their first year of life, whether that be maybe poverty, maybe there's been substance use, that's affecting the brainstem. Right. Um, so you can see that later in life, maybe kids take longer to get out of that um, brainstem response area. But um, yeah, when kids are upset or even adults, they're not thinking about... Um, reasoning they're going back to their brainstem it's that um, i'm upset i don't know what to do brainstem takes over um but if you can practice these techniques where you're calming yourself down at your brainstem you're just going to be a calmer individual okay so as a parent of kids you know when my kids are experiencing um some behavioral issues some things like that why not just run them to a counselor i mean why i mean how is counseling different than mind mindfulness so that is a top down process so mindfulness is bottom up again working from the brain stem and then to all the different parts of your brain okay Um, i see what you're saying exactly so especially for kids their brains aren't developed and actually research is starting to show that our brains it used to be 25 brains Mm -hmm. aren't developed until we're 30 
So it's just our cortex is just taking longer and longer to develop. Um, Interesting. Exactly, right? So if kids are, if you're expecting a 12-year-old to be able to go to their brainstem or go to their cortex yeah. where reasoning is happening, um, it's, and it's not developed, does that make any sense? Yeah. Right? So you need to start with a bottom-up process like mindfulness. And then a lot of times in therapy, in different therapeutic settings, they do mindfulness like what I was doing. But that was a um, DBT model instead of a CBT. I think we're going to get into that a little bit later too. Yeah. But different models of therapy use mindfulness. Okay. And that's that bottom up thinking about going from the brain stem then to the next layer of your brain and all the way to the cortex. But CBT, so that um, traditional thought of like talk therapy is top down. It's thinking about reasoning. And with kids who their cortex isn't developed, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so when you're thinking about, um, gosh, when when we hear kids talking about in our uh, summits and we hear kids talking about all these different, you know, anxieties and stressors that are bothering them, that, and they and they keep saying the words over and over again, mental health awareness. It's so important for your mental health awareness. Um, is 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 mindfulness something that maybe, I mean, is that something we should be Maybe you have it at the summit. Is that something we should be teaching mindfulness? Is this something that's actually going to help kids, like being aware of the mindfulness component? 100%. Okay. Um, and you can start teaching mindfulness as young as one. Um, so I know that we have our summer prevention series, Prevention Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking because we, we I, at least me, I won't speak for, I shouldn't say we, I don't want to speak for other people. Me, I tend to fall back on talk to somebody, mm-hmm. get some counseling, get some, you know, but, and, and I hear what you're saying that mindfulness might be a component of some of that counseling, but I think it can be not, not to supplant counseling. You need to talk to people if you're, but like there are mindfulness techniques that might help that it doesn't have to be right away run to this psychiatrist and psychologist and yeah. Or maybe a counselor could just teach you the mindfulness techniques. Right. Right. So one of my favorite to do whenever I would have um, a therapeutic intervention especially with younger kids that I know were working out of their brainstem um, is I would get like a hard candy, like a lifesaver and we would have a race. So they would get one and I would get one and we would suck on the lifesavers and try to make them disappear. And it's really practicing mindfulness, but it's also triggering that like sucking motion, which takes you back to your brainstem as like being a baby. So a lot of kids that would have trauma from that really young age doing that would calm them and i think a myth associated with mindfulness is um it's easy and it's not right so that sounds probably hard to you you know having to be mindful and not biting into it so maybe it's okay i'm gonna last a minute without biting into this oh i'm gonna last two minutes without biting into this um the fastest i've ever got it to dissolve is four minutes and like 38 seconds which is pretty quick um you know working really hard figuring out your techniques um, through that mindfulness of yeah. like, oh, this is making it dissolve more. But um, yeah, maybe even setting a timer, just trying to go a little bit more every so often. So mindfulness can be hard. I think there are a lot of myths associated with it. One being that it's easy. Yeah, I think um, that's a big one because I mean, recently I saw uh, a video that was talking about uh, meditation and I always kind of thought like, you know, oh, meditation sounds cool, but never really given it much it's thought. It's so hard. It is. I was watching this person talk about it and, and one of their challenges was, try to spend the next like two minutes thinking about nothing Mm -hmm. and all i thought about the whole time the whole time was trying to think about how to think about not thinking about something i mean i was literally thinking harder then than 
previous to watching the video. So uh, it just made me acutely aware that like mindfulness, paying attention to like our body, learning to control it is challenging, very it challenging. Is. So so I um, do a lot of yoga, which is yeah. usually followed by like at the end, you do like a meditation where you're relaxing your body right? and then you'll wake up out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also guided meditation um, is something that I got really into actually during the pandemic. Really? I'm trying to kind of calm my brain down. During the pandemic, everybody got into some new adventures. Yeah. So. And I found it really easy. Okay. But I, it actually reminded me of a memory from the sixth grade in my science class. I know this, this sounds weird, but I promise okay. it has a reason. Okay. And my sixth grade science teacher, Miss Collins, if you're listening, shout out. She's super right. cool. Um, she local? Is that why? I mean, could she be listening? So. She could be. Okay. I mean, she's okay. like a county over, but she could be listening. Okay. Maybe I'll send it to her. Right. But in her um, sixth grade science class, we had this unit where we were talking all about the body and we did a meditation. I think it was a guided meditation. Okay. And she, after we all woke up, she was talking about how she could really tell some kids had fully like relaxed into it and some kids were really struggling. Okay. And I was a kid that even after the guided meditation turned off, she had to come and like kind of shake me out of it. And really? I had, and I had like moved. So I had started with my hands together and my knees and my elbows touching. And I had like moved to like my hands were all twisted around. But it just like happened in that meditation. That's what my body naturally felt like grounded to do. Okay. But some kids really struggled to get into it. And I was really able to relax my mind. And I've always been that way. Um, but also because when I was growing up, we practiced like a quiet moment or um, yeah. at night, my mom, even from like a really young age, we would have like a quiet time where my mom would like rock with us, which could be um, like that idea of mindfulness is rocking, yeah. um, and tapping and relaxing, mm-hmm. something like that. So mindfulness has been built into my life from like a very small age, whereas for other kids, probably not, right? Um, but I just remember being able to get into it so easy. And the kids were like, I don't understand meditation. Um, so that was my first experience. Like, oh, other people, their brains aren't able to calm down. Like my brain. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's kind of my connection. I, I was thinking to myself, too, with the, um, you know, that, that meditation when I was talking about that video, like going in, trying to get. But if I'm not even willing to try that, if I'm not, if I don't believe that it exists, I mean, how. I'm probably not going to be very response. I'm not going to respond well to, you know, meditation techniques or stuff like that. So I wonder if a person who is um, just so skeptical of uh, this kind of stuff is the kind of person who, you know, even mocks the idea and concept of, oh, mental health awareness, you know, pay attention to my anxiety, you know, so like, I mean, is this a person that probably isn't even going to get the mindfulness thing, right? Probably not. Okay. Okay. But... I also think that the people that are there, they're living in a state where they might be experiencing some of those symptoms mm-hmm. and that's their way of coping with it. Let me yeah. ignore it. And eventually that's going to build up and they're going to need these skills. Right. Whether they well, acknowledge I, it or not. Yeah. And I and I guess I bring that up because I was just recently out of school teaching and there was a kid who, um, you know, it's a 12-year-old kid who demonstrated or explicitly stated that um, their caregivers do not accept this modern day stuff. And I just, I just thought to myself, oh, this kid could really benefit from some mindfulness stuff, like because I, it sounded from that kid that the parent wasn't providing access to counseling services and other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, this is a kid who could really benefit from some mindfulness 
information and, and, and knowledge. So I think a lot more schools are implementing it now. I hope so. Um, I know a school pretty close to here, like they have mindfulness rooms where yeah. they have stuff for like sensory. I have actually seen that. Yeah. So, so I think schools are acknowledging that their kids need this. So we just have sensory rooms. Um, and then even just, I I mean, from what I've seen, I think they're trying to do better at getting counselors into the school. Obviously, the parents have to agree. But a lot of times, if the school is saying, like, here's a problem, like, your kid needs to do this, right. a lot of times parents will, you know, begrudgingly yeah. be okay with it. But, you know, we are having, you know, issues getting school staffed with mental health um, professionals. So, you know, there's... All of those deeper issues in the world. Well, speaking of deeper issues, are there any other myths associated with uh, mindfulness? Um, yeah, actually, a lot of people assume that mindfulness is associated with um, a religion. Okay. So the idea of mindfulness, while tech, it's associated with Buddhism because of like the meditation. Yeah, um, I was wondering. But mindfulness isn't just meditation, right? Okay. So that's another one of those um, myths is that mindfulness and meditation are the same thing. Um, but you don't have to be believing of any religion to practice mindfulness. Um, yeah. It's good for everybody, right? So some might even say that, um, you know, Christianity praying, that's mindfulness. That's affirmations, you know, yeah. whether that you're saying it to yourself. And is it? I mean, I would believe so. Yeah. Um, you know, I come from a household where, you know, we were like, we practice religion. And I think... You know getting into this field i see a lot that oh like when we're praying like you know while it is like to like a christian god it's also that idea of like putting that good into the universe um and then the other thing is that like mindfulness um is about being able to have an empty mind um it's not about emptying your mind it's about focusing on the things that you want to focus on in that moment mm -hmm. so whether that be your body um well that's the five the five things that you said five you know, five things you... What is that again? Five okay, things you, so five things that you can see. Okay. Um, four things that you can... Oh, I'm blanking right now. Four things you can touch. Three things you can hear. Two things you can smell. And one thing you can taste. Okay, so that's far from thinking of nothing. I mean, that's exactly. very specifically... I'm thinking of very particular smells. The way my olfactory nerves are working right now. What are they detecting? My visual cues around me. I mean, it's very much... I, I mean, it's almost the exact opposite of thinking nothing. It's super fixated on thinking of very specific things. It's the so. idea of being intentional. So it's yeah, intention. it is intentional. Yeah, that's a good yeah. word. So yeah. what you're thinking of is intentional. You're not, oh, I have to do this and this and this. Um, a lot of people say that we should practice mindfulness while we're driving, focusing on the road, what we're seeing around us. Yeah, when I when I was teaching driver. my kids to drive, it was definitely mindfulness. Pay attention to everything around you. Yes. Exactly. Do you see that kid in the in the yard up in front of up in front of you? So whereas now yeah. when we're driving, some people get to where they're like trying to go and it's like, how did I even get here? I was too busy thinking about this, this and all the other things going on in my life. Okay, that that's really cool because it just it just kinda caught me. Like it's not zoning out. It's not thinking of nothing. It's not zoning out. It is really intentionally Zoning in, in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, okay, interesting. Yeah. So then the other thing, like the goal, Gosh, of mindfulness, it's in the name too. Mindful. It's not mindlessness. Mind. Yeah. I, but I think people associate it with mindlessness. I have. I'll be honest with you. I, I. I'll be the first person to admit when I think of mindfulness, I sometimes, I, I often went to the opposite, almost to this really a concept of mindlessness, like zoning out. Just I need to tune out and get away from everything. 
That's not mindful. That's mindless. Mindful is I need to focus on the things that are important, things that help me tactilely and, and like tangent. You know, like I can I can feel this and see exactly. this right now. So yeah, it's exactly okay. Very interesting. And we talk about that with parents a lot in my last job too. Um, the idea that they should be mind using mindfulness when they're with their kids. Yeah. Um, how often do you see parents that are on their phone and their kids are? not giving the attention and they're doing things to try and get attention so it's like mm-hmm. oh when you're with your kid being locked in having this time that you guys can be mindful and like paying attention to each other and spending that time together mindfulness can be used in a lot of ways which is why like the the myth associated that like mindfulness is to be relaxed and chilled out well it helps you like maintain a more calm demeanor it's not to be relaxed and chilled out it's also to help you get through times that are stressful it's more homeostasis than it is (laughs) chill out right yeah emotional regulation okay interesting but i practice mindfulness in a lot of ways um recently i've been going on walks um where i just try to use my senses i walk by a river on a bike path so I try to listen for other animals. Um, I try to think about my heart rate, um, you know, using my senses while I'm walking just to practice that mindfulness. I also journal um, and I read um, just things that I can use to like calm myself down and really be intentional and focused. I spend so much time on my phone sometimes that that's the mindlessness component that we're talking about. Um, And I just think it's really important for me to check my brain in, whether that be through reading or walking. Interesting. It's just, uh, so I will tell you a quick thing. Um, I was recently in New York City that you're aware of, and um, I remember having a very specific moment there. So it was my day two there. I wanted to, I didn't want to sit in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. The, uh, my daughter and her friend were off doing some things. And um, so I went outside and just sat on a bench. Um, and I remember talking with my wife afterward, and she just, she was like, I said, it was so nice relaxing out on that bench. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, when I was talking to her I, for a moment, we talked on the phone while I was uh, sitting on that bench. And she, she was like, how, how do you relax? The noise was insane. The talking, the screaming, the yelling, the cars, the, all the noises. But to me, that was kind of like when, when I think when you're talking about mindful um, and you said, you know, um, you know, the, the, the water and the different things, mm-hmm. um, like for me, New York City was very mindful. Um, there's so much stimulus going on. It was so relaxing to just sit, not move, but hear, see the lights, all the different lights, the reflections, the, the hear all the noise, the different kinds of voices, the accents, the car, the different kinds of horns and the brakes. And I mean, it was just like, I don't know, is that a form of mindfulness? Like pay attention to, I mean, why can't it be that instead of just like the breeze and the lake and the geese right it can be that that's an example how mindfulness is different for everybody that's why you have to find what works for you okay right so i'm talking about going on this walk and paying attention to these like nature sounds but maybe what works best for you is to kind of go to a busier place and just sit down and immerse yourself in that yeah, because I mean, it was literally, it's one of the things I like so much about New York is that, and maybe that's why, maybe I'm discovering something right now. Maybe I like New York so much because of the forced mindfulness it creates in me because I, I love walking over the grates with the with the steam coming up mm-hmm. and, and then looking down and seeing that there's depth and design and, and, you know, the sound of all, not just my footsteps, but my footsteps in harmony with 
the thousands of other footsteps just all at the same time stepping off the curbs and the trains underneath the ground roaring. I mean, like I'm so aware when I'm in New York City of every surrounding more so than when I'm like, if I go for a walk in my neighborhood, I'm not aware of what's happening around me hardly at all. I don't know if I'm ever more mindful than when I'm in New York City. And that's sensory stimulation. Okay. So we do that with kids a lot of times. We talk about different sensory things that they can do. And a lot of it's associated with mindfulness, whether we know that or not. Yeah. But adults too. I mean, even though our cortexes are more developed, but we can still go back to that brainstem and do things that calm us out our brainstem with that sensory stimulation for you. And Mm. because... um, you know, um, we both have talked about how we have ADHD yeah. and having things to, you know, stimulate um, our brains. That could even be that calming factor. Right. Okay. It seems to be more fast paced. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Interesting. Well, Caitlin, thank you for talking about mindfulness. Um, I just, I think it's really cool. I think there's some definite myths here that uh, might help our listeners. Um Maybe look at mindfulness different. Maybe even look at mental health in general differently. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. And everybody, I hope you're mindful, not just about what your mental health awareness, uh, what your mental health is and the status of your mental health, but mindful about how, uh, as Caitlin mentioned, mindful how you parent, mindful how you go about your community, go about your job, mindfulness, how you live your life. So um, be mindful and uh, take care of yourselves and enjoy. Bye.